The Anton Savage Show on News Talk. We, uh, you may have heard during the week that Foreign Affairs Minister Simon Coveney travelled to Kiev and uh, he held talks with the Ukrainian government about Ireland's role in supporting the war-torn country. And of course, he was wearing two hats in that context because in the one case, he was the Irish Minister for Foreign Affairs. In the other case, he was the representative of a UN Security Council member state. And one of the things that has been raised about that visit was the fact that he was protected by the guard, the emergency response unit rather than being protected by the uh, army ranger wing of the defence forces which would be the normal case and Cahill Berry TD who himself is a former deputy commander of the ranger wing has been fairly scathing about that decision. Why anyone would, would want to introduce an additional uh, government department like the Department of Justice, an additional agency to add an additional layer of complexity is, is beyond me really. So that's pretty much a, a, a blunder at governmental level and hopefully this issue will be, will be ironed out uh, before the next trip in, in a few weeks' time. Now that was Cahill Berry there responding to the uh, choice not to take the Army Ranger Wing. Noreen O'Sullivan, former Guard, the Commissioner, is with us. But before we talk about matters relating to the uh, her former role in, in the um, being Guard, the Commissioner, because the Kinnahan bounty is one that I want to get, uh, Noreen, your view on. Noreen has just finished uh, being UN Assistant Secretary General for Safety and Security. From a Security Council perspective, do they care who does protection for uh, representative member states on these kind of trips? Um, well, first of all, Anton, uh, no. It, they, I wouldn't go so far as to say they don't care. Obviously, the security of uh, visitors overseas is very important, and particularly senior officials such as a minister. And I think the first thing we have to remember is this is the first time that one of the elected ministers for the Security Council actually has been invited to Ukraine. And I think that's very important from Ireland's perspective insofar as when the minister addresses the Security Council, he will be able to give his first-hand experiences of what he saw, his observations, but also make recommendations as to what he need, thinks needs to be done. And I think that reinforces the importance of Ireland's position on the Security Council. And certainly I think that's a, a good opportunity for Ireland to play their part on the global stage in terms of uh, peace and security. Um, so, if, for example, in the UN context, if I can use that, so regularly uh, members of the Security Council or senior UN officials or different dignitaries would visit overseas missions and they could sometimes be in conflict or in war zones and the principles, established principles would be that it is the responsibility of the host country, the collaboration and cooperation of the host country to provide the security. So, for example, in this case, the logistics will be provided by the, the Polish uh, who would uh, transport, in this case, Minister Kovny across the border into Ukraine, and then the Ukrainians will be there. There would always be uh, some form of close protection, uh, particularly based on a threat assessment. And maybe if I just go into that for a moment, and obviously without going into specific details, but it's a very structured approach to conducting threat and risk assessments for visitors and for dignitaries. And that would happen regularly. So on Garda Shikana, for example, as both the Irish Police Service, but also the Security Service, would regularly conduct risk and threat assessments. And they're not done in isolation, they're done in very close cooperation with both the national and international agencies, and particularly the international partners that Angarda Shikana would have right across the world. 
But in, all of which is well, uh, but the, I think the thing that it, it has got Cahill Berry's back up and a number of unnamed army sources backs up if we go by some of the coverage today isn't that they would do the threat assessment it's that they are an inappropriate choice given where he was going. So if I can quote you uh, an unnamed army officer from the Independent today the ERU this being the Emergency Response Unit of Angarda Shikana is extremely highly trained and capable but close protection in a war zone is a special operations forces task, not a police one. And and uh, people are saying things like the Gardaí aren't trained in dealing with heavy ordnance. They're not trained in engaging with m- military forces if that happens. So why not use our special forces who are there for that purpose? Well, I suppose there are uh, particular considerations in deploying another military force overseas to what is already identified as a war zone. And as I've said, the Ukrainians uh, are more than proficient in actually providing the on-ground protection that needs to be there. The purpose of the close protection team, and I will come back to the ORU, the ORU, the emergency response units, are highly trained. In fact, some of them are former army rangers themselves, but also they're highly trained in their capacity as emergency response. They regularly provide close protection to visiting dignitaries here in Ireland, but also uh, to some of our own protected uh, VIPs that would be going overseas to, again, in some conflict areas. They wouldn't be engaged in overt combat, uh, nor would that be expected. They're there to protect their principal, who in this case would Minister Coveney. There are other considerations if you were to deploy a military, another military force into what is already a war zone. So, for example, I have seen some, um, some commentary around a lack of communications, a, lot, a lack of medical support, etc. Again, part of that risk and threat assessment would be there would be uh, communications established, would be ongoing. One of the core principles is established dialogue and maintaining dialogue with the host country. So there will be established procedures with Ukraine and with Poland, both in terms of secure communications, but also in terms of, for example, medivac or evacuation procedures, if that need to be. So it would be normal practice, I would say, that it would be the host government. You know, can you imagine a scenario whereby in the middle of a war zone, you have a third military force deployed? Um, you know, that that has a particular, it would need the, the um, agreement or the triggering of the triple lock, for example. And that is a very complicated process that would need to be there. But also, I think, from the point of view of the ordinary person, the optics of actually sending uh, what could be perceived to be uh, combat troops into an area to protect an official, what would that say about our confidence in the host country? to be able to uh, provide that level yeah, of protection. Although I, think, I don't think that the UK were b- behind the door in, in uh, surrounding Boris Johnson with the uh, SAS. But can we move to another area, uh, Norman Sullivan, that I want to ask you about? Your own background in uh, Angarda Shigana, you spent a long time in um, drug interdiction. You spent a long time undercover in um, drug enforcement around the country. What do you make of the bounty that the Americans have put on Daniel Kinahan, $5 million for information leading to arrest. Is this, uh, to use that awful word, a game changer? Um, I think it is a game changer. I think, if I'm honest, I think it's cold comfort to some of the victims and the family of the victims of the devastation and the misery that the Kinahan and their associates have inflicted on communities right around this country and indeed in other countries as well. But yes, I do think it's a game changer. One thing I would say is that the Kinahan, the evolution of the Kinahan cartel, as it's now called, is actually a case study. And the analogy I would draw is the evolution 
from a local drug dealer or aspirational drug dealer, which uh, Christopher Kinyon Sr. was, to a transnational organised crime gang, which now has drawn the attention of the Americas. But I think what this will do also the evolution of law enforcement, because I can trace this back over 20 years, in fact, probably 30 years. And when I look at the, the battle that was fought to actually get the information, so yesterday, last week's announcement was actually the culmination of a lot of information that had been gathered over the years in tackling the Kinahan Organised Crime Gang. And when you look at the numbers that have been put into prison, but it is a game changer insofar as it will thwart their ambitions to actually reinvent and legitimise themselves as legitimate business people, which they have been trying to do, and with some degree of success. I think it will also call out the propaganda and the misinformation that they've been peddling um, about themselves and that positioning themselves as legitimate business people. I think now the whole world uh, can see that these are drug dealers, gun runners, and people that are just completely mercenary in terms of inflicting misery on people, but at the same time trying to run a parallel lifestyle that they position themselves as legitimate business people and can rub shoulders with the famous and the great. And I think this calls it what it is once and for all. I think it is a huge uh, success for Angarda Shikana, as I say, going back over 20 odd years from 2000 when Christopher Kinahan Sr. relocated himself to Spain, um, there was a lot of effort put into actually making sure that we worked across boundaries, across borders and across jurisdictions. And this takes a long time to come to fruition. And of course, there were a number of arrests in Spain that, that unfortunately didn't ultimately come to fruition in terms of prosecutions. But in, it, that's one thing that I'm intrigued about, where you say that you regard this as a success for Angarda Chiagana, because I wonder, did some people see it as something of a slap in the face that it took the Americans, quotes, to sort this? That's not how you'd interpret it. No, not at all. I actually would see it as a huge success because, I, you know, the Americans and what we saw visible the other day does not come easily. There is a lot of years of uh, negotiation, years of persuading, but also you have to produce the evidence to support that. And you have to produce that solid, concrete information that actually makes the Americans interested. And that's why I say over 20 odd years, there has been a succession of arrests, of seizures, some of them here in Ireland, some of them overseas, but gathering all of the evidence and all of the information that's needed to be put there to put a credible case to the Americans that now they can be confident that they can put not just this bounty, but also that they can put restrictions and sanctions on the Kinahan business and particularly the money laundering aspect of the, of the business. Because at the end of the day, this is the equivalent of a small multinational corporation that actually is peddling in drugs and in uh, firearms and in a lot of human misery, but actually at the same time then trying to legitimise and launder their money and their profits, profits and the proceeds of crime. So I think this really thwarts that. So I would see it as a huge success. Any day that you can get international law enforcement and transnational law enforcement, and particularly uh, the Americans to support an initiative like this, it's a huge success uh, for Angarda Shikana and a huge testimony to the perseverance of uh, the, the men and the women that have worked on this over the years, both here and internationally. Would you put any stock in the suggestion that the downside of this is that if you limit somebody's capacity to engage in legitimate business, you incentivize them to engage in illegitimate business? Uh, not in this case. 
I think that there is, if I call it, you know, downstream, if I can use that phrase, I think there is something to be said for that. What you're trying to do is uh, incentivize people to step away from drugs. In this case, this is an established business model. And in this case, I think that this is the right thing to do, choke off their, their ability and their capacity to be able to actually continue to reinvest in the purchasing of drugs and the, in the purchasing and the distribution of firearms and wreaking havoc right across Ireland, Europe and some of the rest of the world. Norman O'Sullivan, thank you very much. That is Norman O'Sullivan, former Garda Commissioner and most recently UN Assistant Security, or rather Assistant Secretary General for Safety and Security.